Welcome to Forte Catholic Radio. This is your host, Taylor Troll. Every time I come on the air, I give a weather update. And it is always, always a joke. But for once, yes, people, for once, it is actually news today. I live in central Texas. I'm two and a half hours from a beach. It's snowing right now. It is snowing in the state of Texas. It, no one knows what, what's going on. I, I thought it was like that like fun Fetty stuff falling from the sky. I was very, very confused. So for once, this is me, Taylor Schroll, in the Red Sea Radio Intergalactic Studios telling you that it rained snow. It, did it rain snow? I don't know. Jonathan Blevins <laughs> is from up north. John... Does it snow snow? What or does it just snow? What's the correct verbiage there? It snows snow, okay, and it rains rain. And it is it is shocking to me that it's snowing there. And even more shocking to me though is that you live in Texas and you just said that you live close to a beach. I literally did not know there was even water there. Wait, are you being serious? I'm being 100% serious. You get your whole entire state is filled with snakes and scorpions, man. Okay, your knowledge of the South is my knowledge of the North. So I'm going to let this slide. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to start <laughs> off today's show. I'm going to explain to you my, my feelings of the North, and then you can continue being wrong about the South. So I, okay. every time I travel up your way, that sounded like Norway, which is also North. Anytime I travel up in the Northern part of America... I have no idea where I'm going, where I am. I'm going to Vermont. We're, we're recording this early because as you are hearing this, I, I was in Vermont. Or I am in Vermont. I don't know how time and space work. But uh, t- Southern Texas boy went to Vermont. I had no idea where that was. I finally like put it in my map. It touches Canada. I had no idea. Did you know Vermont touched can- touches Canada? I did not know that, but it makes sense about my theory about Vermont being known for maple syrup. It does. That's a great theory, by the way. I'm very proud of you. Did you come up with that all on your own? <laughs> I heard it somewhere, and it's true. I just Googled it. There is a thing called the State of Vermont Pure Maple Syrup, and Vermont generates 47% of the country's maple syrup. This is fascinating. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm so glad I'm going there. Uh, maybe the maple syrup will keep me warm because it's supposed to be like two degrees the whole time that I'm there. I'm not excited about that part, but I'm going to bring the the fire of Jesus and the fire of the Holy Spirit, uh, and I feel like I'm leaving out the Father now, so hello, Father, uh, and I hope that keeps me warm. So uh, I never know where the North is. People often like have to buy me like children's maps to tell me. I'm baffled by this, though, because no one cares about the North. Everyone cares about Texas. So the fact that you didn't know that Texas, a quarter of our border is the Gulf of Mexico. Like, you know that we touch <laughs> Mexico, right? Like, you know that Mexico is right above Texas, right? Yeah, but you said you were in central Texas. Yes, but... That makes me think that you're nowhere near water. You're trying to backtrack. You definitely said that you didn't know that Texas touches water. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't say that. Look, I said I didn't know that Texas had water, okay? It, it touches water. I didn't know it had it. Are there lakes in Texas? <laughs> you sound like an argument on Twitter right now. Like none of that was coherent. <laughs> yes, I'm not familiar with Twitter anymore. Yes, we have lakes. There is there's one natural lake in Texas, and then there's like thousands of other ones that rich people dig. No, I, that's a lie. Rich people hire people like me to dig them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You really didn't know the Gulf of Mexico. Like, you didn't know that, like, hurricanes hit us all the time because we're right next to the ocean. I will admit that I don't often think about hurricanes affecting Texas, but I did know that it was it touched the ocean. I, I literally was, when I said that, I was thinking water in the state, like lakes that you would go boating on. Yes, that's a huge thing. Like, being outdoorsy is a huge thing in Texas. We can go outside because it's not dreadfully cold all the time like it is in Detroit, where you live. Okay, first of all, I live in Chicago. <laughs> I was born in Detroit. Don't you know this about me? I thought you lived in Detroit. No, no, no. I was just born there. I live in I live in Chicago, dude. What? This is amazing. The, I, the, my life is a lie. Yeah, I live about 35 minutes outside of the city. And, and actually, in about a year, I'll probably live about 15 minutes outside of the city. 
So, okay, at the beginning of our relationship around a year ago, it was a little bit less than a year ago, we talked about me going to Detroit, and I was like, I almost came back to Detroit this summer to see you. That would have been terrible. Yeah, that would have been bad. <laughs> and, and I'm pretty sure you also, I invited you to my March Madness thing, and I'm pretty sure you were like, oh, I might be able to come, or no, no, I can't come, but you would have gone to the wrong place. Well, no. You know what I would have done? It would have been just like everywhere else in the North. I would have been like, okay, I'm coming. What's the address? I would have put it in my phone and figured out where it was at that point. I, uh, I'm, we can't go on. <laughs> this, you don't know that Texas touches water. I didn't, I don't know where you live and we're friends. Like this is very, this is very fascinating to me. One thing I do know about you, because we talked about it the last time you came on, the last time you came on, uh, you looked very healthy and you were, you were a good person, but now you look less healthy, but I think you're a better person because you, my friend are doing the one thing that I have now become known for that fills my inbox. You are doing Exodus 90. So we want to hear from in the trenches of Exodus 90. How are things going? Okay, so they're, they're going pretty well. Uh, I've got mixed emotions. I'll explain. First, I'd like to say Father Anthony is one of the best guys that I know, a holy priest, a very good friend, and has apologized for his hot takes towards <laughs> me about it. <laughs> I want the whole world to know that because he really is just an awesome guy. Uh, and I really wasn't even that mad. I've learned a lot and I have opinions and I really hate Exodus 90 in general. Um, and, and I'm not even complaining about it because you know, I'm, not even, I'm not even doing the full Exodus 90. I mean, I am. I'm doing many things and it's helpful. I'll explain. Um, but it, it's been very, very interesting. So here's the thing. It's tough. It is definitely tough. It's a lot to, to take on at once. And, and I would even say that it's a bit unrealistic at times. Um, especially, especially when you go like my life is, is like wild. I know everybody's life is wild in different ways, but like, I just go from like one thing to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. And all those things have fun things happening. So like, Hey, here's wine. Hey, here's an event. Have, have beer. Oh, Hey, there's dessert at this, at your new staff meeting, you know? And it's like, Oh, can't have it. Can't have it. And so that's just been a little annoying and a bit unrealistic, uh, at times. However, I will talk about the two best parts. I, the, the whole no screen time thing has been, has been unbelievably freeing, unbelievably freeing. I, I'm afraid to even say how many hours a day I would use my phone. A lot of it's for work. A it lot was of it, a lot less than mine, buddy. It was a lot less than mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. And so what, and so what I did is that like, I, you know, done with social media for, for the whole thing. And so I deleted all those apps. Right. But what I did at first, it's probably like 17, 18, 19, something like some that, that, about those many days so far. Um, and I, I immediately substituted the social media stuff with just news, just reading the news. Um, and then I realized like, that's not any better. I'm just scrolling through news feeds, like the actual news feed now, instead of Twitter news feeds. Uh, and, and I'm just reading news. So my wife called me out on it as wives do. And she was like, you know, you, you really are just spending the same amount of time on your phone. And I was like, okay, that's fair. So I downloaded this app called forest. This is not an advertisement. This is true. $2. You plant trees. On your phone. What? Are you hearing me? This is crazy. This... You plant trees on your phone. You set timers for, you put the app up, you set timers like, you know, 10 minutes up to two hours or and anywhere in between. And the more time you set, the bigger the tree is. And then it takes that long to plant it. And if you leave the app, you can close your phone, but if you leave the app to do anything else on your phone, you kill the tree. And then your tree, you have this garden in the app where your dead tree will sit and you don't want it there. And so use the <laughs> coins you this is a lot. I know you use the coins you get from growing the trees to then to buy new trees. But if you have dead ones, then you have to use the coins to, to get rid of the dead ones. And no one wants to do that. So I have spent the last three days I've used this app. I've spent like three hours total on my phone and it has been insanely freeing. John. So that, now here's the thing though. I think like for me, the issue was not how much time I spent on social media. The issue is how much time I spent on my phone. I think it could be just as healthy to use social media on my laptop while I have it open, which is not way, you know, nowhere near as often as you have your phone on you and continue to use my phone just for communication. Does that make sense? That part did the whole tree app thing. I, I have to tell you, like I'm trying to give you a, 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 an avenue for you to say how, how refreshing and great this has been. John, this is the craziest you've ever sounded that I've ever heard you talk about. <laughs> There's our trees, and then they're dead, and then you have to pay coins. I'm growing for the dead virtual trees. 
What do you not understand about this? If anyone listening, if anyone listening on the radio or on the podcast understood that app, I need you to message me on the social media I'm still on. At Taylor Schroll, at Forte Catholic, on the social medias. Because I don't (laughs) understand, and it is fascinating. Like, just watching you try to explain that was, I was like... He's gone. He's gone mad. But I'm cl- okay. But being serious, I am glad that the screen time has been has been more freeing for you. So other, forget the trees. What has been the good things that you have added in that time that you got rid of being on your phone? Um, so the 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 number one improvement has just been being present to the people that I'm with. Um, I feel like I've always been pretty good about that with friends and stuff. Um, a lot harder when when you're with family. And so it, I've just been insanely present to the, to my two sons and to my wife, like the little things that I, I just noticed, like just how often they would try to show me stuff. Uh, when, and normally I, you know, I'm like looking up from my phone or something. It's been awesome. And it's just brought a lot of peace and joy in my heart over the last few weeks. I've had more time for prayer and I actually had more time to listen to podcasts, which is nice. Yeah. You started listening to my podcast, right? When we started talking about you and then, and then, now, look, here's the deal, though. Now you've called out Father Anthony, so he's going to call me and be mad at me for, for that. Now, it's just this it's just this circle of violence that I have. I have uh, I'll, all I do is lead a radio show, and everyone gets mad at me. It's wonderful. <laughs> okay, first of all, I explained the Forest Productivity app perfectly. Second of all, <laughs> I affirmed Father Anthony. I, I was like, Father Anthony, he's great, and, uh, and it's good. And he, he's, just, he's just such a good man. For anyone to ever apologize is incredible. I'm not calling it. He, he'll love it. He'll love it. He is. So uh, John didn't mention me apologizing. I did it too. I'm, I'm also a good person. Uh, <laughs> today, You're pretty average. <laughs> I, I'm pretty average. He's the mediocre priest. I mean, his word's not mine. Um, That's right. So today, it's actually been pretty cool. I got, I got to talk with Father Anthony today. I'm talking with you right now. I was just at an event with Allison Sullivan. So Sean McAfee, I don't know where he is, but I've talked to all the co-hosts today. It's been a, it's Probably been so a we're drinking day. wine in Italy. Yeah, there you go. So here's here's how it's kind of been for me in this whole Exodus 90 thing. I, I mentioned like it now in like my work emails, like people are emailing me for like these conferences that I'm like leading for my job. People are emailing me. They're like, hey, uh, we need this thing done. We'd like to work for you. And then like, everybody in the PS or the first line, it's all this like conference material PS. I'm pro Exodus 90. Like everyone is telling me what their take is on this. <laughs> and like people are yelling. But like, as I mentioned last week, I have I have become a better person through Exodus 90, even though I'm not doing it. So uh, for instance, I have been praying for you <laughs> through this whole Exodus 90 thing, praying for all the other people that are doing it. Uh, you know, the whole loving your enemies, praying for your enemies. Like, the, like you're not my enemy, Exodus 90. <laughs> so, but I'm praying for my people, do, for people doing this. And it's been really good for me. And I, like my prayers improved. I um, have limits on my phone. I don't use trees. I just use my iPhone. And my iPhone says, you have 30 minutes on games and 30 minutes on social media. And then it just it just kicks me out and says you can't do this anymore. No no dead trees, no coins, just just locks. It's very simple and easy for me. Um, but I like I too have been like inspired in my prayer life more. Like the community that has come from this Exodus ninety thing, both the pro and the and the negative camps has actually been really good for accountability, which is a big part of this whole Exodus 90 thing. Like, because everybody's asking me about it, it's constantly in my mind. So I'm constantly like, okay, I need to pray more. I need to spend more time with my family. I need to get rid of vices in my life. I need to get off my phone. And and like, I've spent a, a lot of time with my kids, with my wife. It's been a blast. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at now. Uh, so do you feel, uh, this is the last thing that we need to get to. I th- sure, sure. I think that you've been doing this brilliant thing. You set out like automatic tweets for the 90 <laughs> days. John, you are better at tweeting that way than normally. No way. Don't say that. I want to be the patron saint of Twitter. <laughs> no, that's father. <laughs> so, wow. no, I I think here's the thing though. Most people on Twitter are just saying their random thoughts as they come to their head. You sat there and had to think of 90 thoughts and you like timed them well. My favorite of which, by the way, was, I think, I believe it was day 15 
where you said Father Anthony was probably right about Exodus 90, but I'll never tell him. <laughs> it was so yes. brilliant. It was so brilliant. So I, I'm glad you're surviving. I'm glad you are becoming a better person. I'm glad it's working for you. Well, so yes and yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. It's been, it's been good. It's been it's been the, the the number and the one, number one thing they say you know when they're trying to promote it is that it's for freedom and that part has been pretty great. But the the trick is not to is not to beat yourself up if you mess up. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, yeah. I'm leading a group of high school guys that are doing this with me and uh, holding each other accountable and stuff. And they're discerning priesthood. These are just great dudes. Um, and the, trying to understand like not like me doing Exodus 90 and you not doing it like has has no bearing on the love that God has for us. Um, and so it's like not to beat yourself up when you fall, but to do it to try to become a better person, not to like earn love. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So it's been it's been good and to like to do it and try and try to go closer to God and to to get freedom from some of the things that maybe we're enslaved to, um, but also I think it is just a little bit too intense. We'll see. The jury's still out. We'll see. Well, you heard it here first, people on Forte Catholic. Even the people that are pro Exodus ninety slowly and surely come to my side, guys. We will be right back. <laughs> With John and his good friend, Joel Stepanik. Stepanik, we'll find out right now. Forte Catholic in the segment where it does not fail. The guest slash co-host will always, always dance to this music. It is so much fun. We love it. And today, as you know, John Blevins is joining me as co-host. But our guest today has also co-hosted the show. Way back on episode 33 of the show, the first Ever. Yes, you heard that right. The first ever co-host on Forte Catholic. He was a guest co-host that came on for the entire show. Joel Stepanik. Joel is on the line. How are you, man? I am so good, and it is so good to be back. We didn't know it way back then on episode 33. If yeah, It's almost 100 ago. That's ridiculous. We didn't know back then that uh, soon, two years later, the show would be run by co-hosts. I'm just here now. Like now, John and Father <laughs> Anthony and Allison and Sean. But Joel, I, I do have to say, you paved the way for all these people. Do you feel proud of this accomplishment? I didn't even know it was an accomplishment, but now I feel a deep sense of abiding pride. And I'd say peace just in the trend that's been set. So speaking of pride, you wrote a book recently on humility. <laughs> I did. I wrote a book called Chasing Humility through Ave Maria Press, and it comes out in early April. I'm so excited about this. You know, and like you are such a trendsetter. Not only did you set the trend of co-hosts being on this show, but like for months after, people liked you so much and liked your discussion on discernment so much that like that's all they wanted me to talk about for months. So now, apparently, my new topic for the next few months is humility, and I'm terrible at it. So you're going to help me and John because uh, we're not humble people. We both think that the other one is the greatest thing that's ever happened to mankind, but that we are the second. Is that uh, – what do you say to that? <laughs> So wait, let me get this straight. So John thinks you are the greatest thing to happen to mankind, yep, yep. but secondarily, he's right there. So yes. <laughs> I think there's an air of humility in that. It's like, hey, you're the best, but I'm I'm number two. Thanks, Joel. And that's, I've never heard of that happening. Never? But that's fascinating. That's so wonderful for you to know. I've never heard of somebody being like, hey, man, you're number one, but me, I'm number two. You're the greatest of all time, <laughs> the goat. I'm the escoat, the second of all time. I'm the... I'm the scout. I don't know. What would you say? I will only, I will only be Jesus as Robin. <laughs> Jesus is Robin. Jesus is the Batman to my Robin. And really that's what discipleship is all about. And I feel like there is a, 
great youth ministry series in there somewhere. Well, you know, like this works better than I think you guys are really thinking. Name me the the man who is behind the mask as Batman. What is his name? Bruce Wayne. Okay. Now name me the man behind Robin. Chris O'Donnell. And? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. There are Jason Gordon-Levitt, man. (laughs) (laughs) So there's Jason Todd. There's Dick Grayson. There's like multiple Robins. So this is like, it's an even better example than you guys thought because there's always, there's multiple. Yeah, go for it. There's multiple Robins because Robin keeps dying. (laughs) Right. He just can't stay alive. Just like disciples of Jesus. Jesus is Bruce Wayne. Everyone. Jesus is Batman. We are all just Robins. We come and we go. We f- we try to be like the like the Batman, like the Jesus. We can't quite get there. We die, and someone else takes our place. That, my friends, is the Catholic Church. I'm stealing this. this it's all yours, man. It's all yours. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So eventually, I'm going to write a book about Batman and Robin and how uh, John is is Robin and Jesus is Batman. But you wrote this book called Chasing Humility from Ave Maria Press. It is currently available for for pre-order. People can order it right now. What is it about? So when I told people about the book, I was happy to hear you were excited about it because when you write a book about humility and you tell your friends and your family, and when I told John, John was excited because John is supportive and humble. But when you tell other people, hey, I'm writing a book, they're all like, that's awesome. What a cool thing. What's the book about? And then you go, it's about humility. And they go, oh. And they make this face like you just told them your puppy died. And they want to change the subject. Because when you talk about humility, it seems so inaccessible. So the book is written to be deliberately practical, and it's modeled off the litany of humility and a new proposal for how to look at that prayer and pray it. This is why it's exciting for me. It's a new way to look at this prayer. Because John and I were talking as we were preparing for this, that this this prayer is very difficult for me. It's difficult for John. I honestly cannot get through it without laughing. But to be fair, I've never like actually had somebody share what it's actually about and some deep insight into it, which is why I was excited that you wrote this book, first of all, and that you wanted to come on the show and talk about it. So... I'm missing something about humility. So what in in you as you lay out in this book, what is actual humility? So humility is the process of recognizing that one in prayer God is God and we are not and that's extremely liberating, but then it's also looking to see how we can love others well. So really humility is an extension of the two great commandments. And what I love about the litany of humility is it provides practical ways of living that out. But when you just look at the prayer as it's written, at least in the form we have, there are a lot of lines that make you stop and say, ah, I don't think I want that, you know, from the fear of being (laughs) gossiped about. No, you know, that others would be loved more than I. Are you kidding me? Like all of those lines seem to be really just contradictory to, in some cases, even a positive self-worth. So we can get behind like, yeah, I shouldn't be puffed up and super prideful. But then we say, does does that mean I have to think I'm nothing and I'm self-deprecating and I'm just lower than dirt? And some people would say, yeah, that's humility. You got to think you're just worthless and you're nothing. And that's how you be. That's how you be humble. And that doesn't really seem attractive, not only to people who maybe are more caught up in a worldly sense of success. But even to Christians, it's like, man, like Jesus came that we might have abundant life, but that sucks. It really does. Like the line that I could never get through is that others may be preferred to me in everything. What? Like, no, like I want my wife to prefer me. Like, I think that's a fair thing to (laughs) desire. Um, I want want people to like me. I want people to like the show. I want people like we all travel and speak. I want people to. It's like. I, I, I'm very happy when I see you guys speaking, but there are other people where I'm like, I, I really wish that I was preferred to that person. So what's wrong with me, Joel? Well, I think you're looking at the litany of humility out of order. So when we read it, there's three sections, right? There's the first part, which is from the desire of blank. 
deliver me, Jesus. And then there's the next part, from the fear of blank, deliver me, Jesus. So already we've set up the litany of humility to actually be a deliverance prayer. We're saying, deliver me, Jesus. And the last part then is asking for a different desire, that others may be whatever, Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. So the inspiration for the book came when I was praying the prayer, trying to, like you, live humility and also kind of laughing through it, realizing that these lines actually add up, but they don't add up the way they're written. So each line corresponds with something else in the prayer. Here's an example. If you line up those ones about love, from the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus, and we're asking not for the good desire for love that we're innately made for to be delivered, but to be delivered from disordered love, like a love that seeks myself above other people, because we're talking about humility. But here's the thing. When you ask for something to be removed, like the desire to be loved, it leaves a hole in us. And that hole is a place where fear can come and creep in. So if I say, Lord, deliver me from the desire of being loved, and the Lord takes that desire to be loved in a disordered way from me, then this hole can easily be fear, uh, filled with the fear of being despised. So we pray from the desire of being loved and from the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. But then we need to ask for something to fill that hole. So we're asking for a good desire from the desire uh, that others may be loved more than I, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. So every line in the prayer lines up that way. So when we pray it, I propose that you actually pray those lines in unison from the desire of being loved, from the fear of being despised, and that others would be loved more than I. Now I have something to work toward in that last line. Like I'm not focused about how can I get love? How can I be loved? But I'm focused on how can I love others? Um, and really that's fulfilling one of the great commandments that others would be loved uh, as I uh, am loved. That I love, you know, that I understand my self worth. And so I broke each of the lines down like that into several sections of what it means to be humble. So a humble person's authentic. A humble person grows in confidence. A humble, humble person is grateful. A humble person loves others. A humble person gives praise. A humble person empowers those around them. A humble person becomes a mentor. And a humble person is willing to break boundaries, um, especially for the gospel. And that's what the book revolves around is those eight things. John has been friends with you for a long time, and you've been on this journey of growing in humility. John, have you noticed anything different in Joel the last few months? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've actually noticed the difference in Joel in the last few years uh, of just care, just taking taking the the call to holiness more and more seriously in, in every aspect of his life over the last few years. It's been pretty inspiring. Um, so yeah, I would say yes. So Joel, you, you talked about practicals at the beginning of this. So since, I mean, you said that you read this in a, in a similar way as I did. So I'm looking for this kind of transformation as well. What, like anytime that I want transformation, I want to know what I'm working towards. And like, you just gave us this great list that I want to go through. But for you in particular, what do you think has been the biggest like practical growth for you as you have studied and written about and prayed with this litany of humility? It's funny because humility is a prayer that when you ask for it, when you pray for humility, you usually get it. And when you write a book about humility, uh, it's an interesting journey. So the couple of months with the book provided lots of opportunities where the Lord gave me chances to exercise what I was writing about. I think for me, the place that I've grown most through the writing process has just the idea of uh, gratitude. So you talked about the line that you struggle with, which is being preferred to others, um, which falls under the idea of growing in confidence. That's the practical outgrowth of how we deal with that desire being preferred to others. Mine was being grateful for today. So the lines that I really struggle with are from the desire of being honored and from the fear of being calumniated, which is that fancy old word for being gossiped about. Um, and then that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. That was the set that I wrestle with the most because when I think about a career or I think about being known, I don't want to be like a superstar. But at the same time, I realized that I struggle with the idea that I want people to honor me because it means security. I've associated those things with security. And I don't want to be gossiped about. I don't want people to say bad things about me. And in the work that I'm in, I've had that happen where people say bad things about you. And it's never fun. And it's something I'm afraid of. I don't want people to say bad things about me or try to damage my reputation. 
And that the solution to that was looking at others to say, how can I help them increase um, and think about them more and think about myself less? And the way that I do that is by being grateful for what I have um, and recognizing the gifts and the ways that God supports me and loves me. Uh, and that has been a game changer in approaching each day with gratitude. I found myself less envious of other people and more present to the good things and even the little good things that happen on a daily basis. So one of the things that that came up uh, that I kind of chuckled at when we were ta- when you and I were talking about setting this up is that one of the the reasons that people often like call me prideful or call out pride in me either whether it's true or not is this whole self-promotion thing, right? Like I like promoting the things that I do because I think I'm good at them and I think that I'm like using them well. And you you and I joked about this because you're like I'm promoting a book about humility. And there's like you said that there are some people just kind of messing with you. I was like, dude, I totally understand that conflict, right? Because if you think you have something good, you like you like like we are all our best <laughs> like critic and we are all like our best promoter, right? And it's like one of these things like I have something good, I want to share it. If I don't tell anybody about it, I can't share it, right? So how is this battle between like wanting to share this great book that you have and your gift and your heart in this book about humility. How has that gone for you? It's funny because John and I have these conversations uh, from time to time where we talk about how do you balance the idea that, hey, I'm working hard on something. I feel like the Lord's gifted me with a particular talent or skill, and that I've produced something that I've worked hard on. And it's almost like sometimes within the Christian sphere, especially, we're like, oh, that's so great that you've honed that skill. You've worked hard. You've written a book. You've honed in a talk. You've got this new platform or this new ministry that you're launching. Now make sure you don't tell anybody about it because that's how we'll really know it's of the (laughs) Lord. If with no promotion and no insight, people just suddenly come out to you, you know, like John the Baptist, it's the John the Baptist syndrome, like go out into the desert and isolate yourself. And if people come to you, then you'll know it's of Jesus. And I think there's a balance at play. And that's why humility is important in being able to authentically promote the good things you're doing. It's the parable of the talents. You know, if God gives us something good and gifts us with a skill and ability, uh, a project that we do well on and we pour into, we have a responsibility to share that with people so that the gift we've been given might multiply. At the same time, we want to be aware of our disposition in not coming out to say, what I've done is written the greatest book that's ever been penned, and you need to buy it, and it's incredible. That's pride. (laughs) The flip side to it is if I didn't spend any time on, we'll take the example of this book, and I just kind of half-heartedly threw it together. i you know, try to get it under the deadline. I didn't really pray into it. I didn't really work in it. And then I looked at people, I was like, you should buy my book. That's prideful too, because I actually haven't invested in it. But I think I'm so great that my 30% effort is worth you spending money on. And so I think that's the balance is being able to respect the gifts you have and being able to authentically promote it and say, I've worked hard on this and I think it'll bless people's lives. But it is weird sharing, you know, post online to be like, Hey, my new book's available. Everybody go ahead and buy chasing humility by me. I think it's really great. You know, you can just hear people being like, gosh, this guy, well, this humility, do it anyway, do it anyway, Joel, because that's the best answer to that question I've ever heard in my entire life. I think you're awesome. John thinks you're awesome. And we want people to go get the book chasing humility. Where can they find it? dude? So right now you can pre-order it on Amazon. It's available in early April. But really what I'm hoping is that a lot of people can pre-order the book. If I'm going to be completely authentic, one of my biggest fears with this project is that people are going to look at it and be like, yeah, humility doesn't seem like a good read. But to our last point, I really do feel like the insights in it have blessed me. And I hope that they bless a lot of people and pull them out of the idea that humility is self-deprecation. And they recognize that humility is actually so, so much more. It's being everything God called us to be and really being free from all the shackles that pride puts on us. Well, I hope people go buy the book too. And I'm going to promote it like crazy because that's humble for me to do. I want it to be great. John, Joel, y'all are awesome. Uh, Joel, thanks for coming on. We'll be right back to finish up the show. You rock. Blessings on you, man. Thank you, you, bro.
Welcome back to Forte Catholic, where I am staring at Jonathan Blevins on the other side of this Zoom call, and I have him muted, but I look at him as I'm doing this intro, and he is holding an open flame in front of him. John, why is there an open flame in front of your face? I am in love with fire, all forms of it. Uh, there are multiple burn marks on the carpet of the church that I work at when things go awry. Is that why you're moving on to a new parish job? <laughs> 100%. John, we can forgive six burn marks, but the seventh was biblical and we got to get you out of town, man. We got to get This you is out. actually going to be the greatest thing we talk about the entire day today. Uh, elephant poop paper, which is a thing you can like buy paper that's recycled elephant poo. It's the weirdest thing. Someone gave it to me as a funny joke. It is insanely flammable. So I want to go behind the scenes a little bit. Um, How this show works is I spend hours writing up these notes about what we're going to talk about. I have it like in segments. I send it to the co-host either the night before we record, the the morning before we record. Uh, The first sentence in my notes for segment three have nothing to do with an open flame. Uh, It says, I've been in a very dry spell in my spiritual life, mostly of my own doing. But instead, we started by talking about elephant poop paper that's very flammable. So... (laughs) Uh, here's what here's what John's doing. I see exactly what he's doing. He's a brilliant radio man. Because at the beginning of the show, in segment one, I always give a pointless update for the weather. But today I gave a real meaningful update of the weather, so we needed to give the pointless update in segment three. Thank you, John. I, I, I see what you did there. It's just brilliant, brilliant radio. Uh, I aim to serve. You should be on a podcast once a month. Okay. <clears throat> anyway... Did you catch the intro, the real intro, though, John? No. No, you weren't listening. You were too busy laughing at your own jokes. I have been in a very dry spiritual place for quite uh, some yes, time, yes. mostly of my own doing. And over the last few weeks, as we talked about in segment one, this whole Exodus 90 thing popping up in, and taking over everyone's life, uh, whether they're doing it or not, <laughs> everyone hears about it every day from the people that are. So it's, it's, it's just in the forefront of our lives. And honestly, it's been helpful for me not doing it, but having it in like the vicinity because it's like, I do need to pray more. I do need to spend more time with my family and my, and my kids and my wife and uh, I do need to to grow as a human being, and it's actually been working mostly because people are guilting me into it. Thank you, everyone. Um, but oh. I, I read this thing from Cardinal Robert Sarah. Have you heard of this guy? Uh, he's a stud, yeah. Yeah, so everything he says is brilliant and is like the opposite of me. So it's really easy for me to to – or it's really difficult for me to kind of connect with him, right? Because like all of his books are like – we need to bring back silence. That's that's not me. <laughs> that's not my that's thing. Uh, here's what he said. He said, prayer is a long time of desert and aridity when we want to go back to the easy joys of the world instead of waiting for God. Boom. Right? Yeah. Oppo- like, opposite of me, meaning he wrote that to me. Right? So it's like... Dang it, man. I, I had this realization when I read it that it was like, this dry time in my prayer is because any time that I've gone to prayer recently, or like before the last couple of weeks, things have been pretty good the last couple of weeks. But before then, for a few months, I was just like, I was trying to pray. But then I was like, oh, I wanna, I'd rather be on my phone. I'd rather be playing video games. I'd rather be working on the show. I'd rather be doing anything else, right? And that's the, I, I made it linger bad for me. hundred <laughs> percent. So, uh, I've been kind of open about it, but I want to give people an update because things have been good. I gave people an update a couple weeks ago. It was the week after you came on last when we talked about Exodus 90, the next week, Allison Sullivan yelled at me for not praying for people. So I began praying for people. So all I've gotten in like all of my DMs and emails is either people telling me that they don't like or they don't like or do like my Exodus 90 take or to pray for me. No, actually pray for me. No, did you really pray for me? And like I actually have been doing it, right? So yeah. that kind of opened the door. And then like mass with children. You have children. How, how does mass usually go for you on a Sunday? 
You know, they're pretty, we feed ours. I know there's like this weird parent debate, like in the church, we feed your kids in mass or not. Like we, I have a four-year-old now. He just turned four yesterday and a two and a half year old. We feed them two boys. And so they, they're quiet the entire mass pretty much, but they move a lot. Um, so it's tough to focus because you're always looking to make sure they're not doing something ridiculous. Uh, but my wife takes the brunt of it for sure. So I'm able to pray, but obviously not as well as I can when they're out there. No, I, I totally agree. Mass is, like, mass is like a hostage negotiation, and the children, your children are both the hostage in the situation and also the person demanding things to, ke- to keep the hostage alive. Like, they are exactly. both characters in this story. Um, but I sat in mass this last Sunday, and something amazing happened. I encountered Jesus in mass with, with my two oldest children sitting next to me. This is this is new for me. This is huge. Okay. I'm sitting there in mass. And like it was right after communion, and we do this after communion song. And the words of that song just hit me. Right? Uh it's this song called Extravagant by Bethel Worship. Okay. They're like song. as you pointed out, there are ninety thousand songs where like your love is extravagant, which is also the same yeah. song. As Free Fallen by Tom Petty. Uh, any <gasps> Anytime I sound check, like when I travel and lead worship, I sing Your Love is Extravagant and then go right into Free Fallen. Uh, for a fundraiser in college, I actually did that on purpose. Like I, I sang the first verse and chorus of Your Love is Extravagant and went right into Free Fallen, but I rewrote it. I rewrote those words asking people for money because it was a fundraiser for our college choir. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. So... Uh, something like I want you to be free rolling or something like that. That's something. Anyway, it's not important. What is important is that I, I, I encountered the Jesus in the mass. Um, so here's, I'm going to walk through some of these. It's a slow song and it's kind of long, so I didn't want to play it on the show, but I do want people to go listen to it on the old YouTubes or Spotify's or ask Alexa, uh, after you ask Alexa to, pl- to listen to Forte Catholic, which you can do now. Isn't that pretty cool? Uh, go listen to extravagant by Bethel worship. Um, the song starts like this, John, you were a lover before time's beginning. You gave your love freely withholding nothing. So that first line, especially, uh, brings me back to one of my favorite scriptures. Like he, before we loved him, he loved us. Right. And uh, another scripture coming back to your first love, like the one who first loved you. Uh, and it's like, we get in these times, at least I do, and I think it's pretty common, where we get in these dry times spiritually and we're like, I need to do this to get back. I need to pray more. I need to stick it out. And it's like, maybe you just need to stop doing things and like go to prayer and let God do the work once you're there. Thousand percent. One thousand. One thousand percent. Um it continues saying, you carried the weight of the world on your shoulders. You stopped at nothing to prove you were for us. And it's like, it's these simple truths. Like everybody's like, oh yeah, Jesus died for you. And like, we've all heard that a thousand times. But in the midst of like our dry seasons or like even like sinful seasons where you're like falling into sin over and over again, like that's the whole point of why Jesus died for you. It wasn't when your prayer was great and you're praying for an hour and a half every day and you're going to adoration and you hadn't sinned in 19 days and you're part of the no sin game on Twitter, sin gang on Twitter. It's like those moments are fine. Jesus died for you when you're committing your terrible sin that you don't want to talk about. Like that's the moment. And like we have this weird thing of God where it's like he's merciful when, but he's also scary, right? And like, there is this, like, both things are true. Like, God is judge, and he's also merciful, which makes him a merciful judge, which is taking these two things and and, and merging them together. But it's like, it's weird how we see either side of those differently. We're in different split places in our spiritual life. Have you experienced something like this? Yeah, yeah, I would say I have. And I agree with you 100%, especially when you said sometimes we just need to sit and wait. Um, and I also love songs like that, which really state these simple truths that, you know, you and I know these things, but we we take that for granted. There's a difference between knowing and even believing. Uh, and I just always need reminders to to keep getting back on track. And I always think of Jesus like when he says, to those much has been given, much will be asked. 
like the closer that I get to God, the harder it is to stay there. And that's like, it, it, it does require work, but it, he'll do the work. So it is just stopping and letting, and letting that truth, you know, sit in your heart. Right. And, and I, like we, what often comes up in these situations for me is like I, in the prodigal, the story of the prodigal son, right? It's like, we, even though that, like all these truths, Jesus died for you. Duh. We know that, right? The prodigal son story, everybody's heard it and we're tired of hearing about it, but we still have this idea when we're stuck in our muck that like, if we ran away from the father, we have to do all the work to get back. We have to walk back. We have to come all the way there. Like Jesus isn't going to move towards us until we're all the way back from where we came. And it's like the father was waiting for him and looked at him on the horizon and started running to him, right? So we do have to do our part in turning around and starting to look towards the father's house. And then once we do that, like he's going to keep, he's going to run to us, right? Um, the song continues. Like, we'll never comprehend the way you love us. Like, just just how far you'd go to say that you love us. It's like, <laughs> this song was important for me because it's just God saying like, hey, dummy, stop being in your Catholic guilt and feeling all bad for yourself and sulking and not coming back to me. Just come back. I'm right here. I've been here this whole time. Just wanting you to turn around. I've been tapping you on the shoulder this whole time. I'm not slapping you. Just tap you on the shoulder like, hey, I'm, I'm over here, right? Yeah, and as as dads, we get to we get like we get that reminder all the time with our own kids. Like, I can't speak for you, but I'm assuming you're a good man. <laughs> uh, you know, when you, there's nothing your kids can do that are going to make you love your kids less. And so it's like I, once I learned that when I had kids, I was like, man, God loves me even more than that. That's incredible. And I still forget. <laughs> I'm still like, so I still need those moments at mass where you're like, man, that this is this is true. As much as I love my kids when they do the craziest stuff, like God loves me infinitely more than even that. Constant reminders, man. Yeah. This last this last part of the song, the bridge, is really interesting for me. Hit me with it. Uh, have you ever have you ever been praying something and realized that it's like that you don't mean it but you want to? Yeah, sure. Every time I pray the litany of humility. Yeah, exactly. Which is what we just <laughs> it's what we just talked about with Joel. I mean, this is why this all works was works so perfectly. It's how like I feel about that prayer, right? I I get through it and I'm like yeah, whatever. There's this old thing with uh, with First Corinthians, like the the one that they read at at weddings, like love is patient, love is kind. Like, yeah. So, have you ever heard the thing where it's like you put God's name for love, and it reminds you that God is all those things because God is love. God is patient. Oh, God no, is kind. Nice. God is humble. Doesn't put on airs. Right. So here's the thing: you, John, are supposed to be like God, right? Yeah. And if God is love. And if love is all those things, then John should be all those things. Taylor should be all those things. John is patient. John is kind. John is humble, doesn't put on airs. John wants the best for others. Like, at any point where you like, oh, Taylor's lying. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm pretty good at those things right now. Oh, Yo, you're so holy. Okay. But no, I, for real, though, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're yeah, for sure. So it's like I can't get through that without laughing. I can't get through the litany of humility without laughing. Like, at myself. Like, I, so here's, here's how I was. I'm sitting in Mass. This song is playing. My kids are all around me. My eyes are closed. I'm singing this song. And the you know bridges like repeat over and over and over again. Yeah. Here's the words. Here is all my love. It's yours. No conditions. When you pull me close, no, I won't resist. And I sang that the first time and I was like, here is most of my love. It's yours. I probably have conditions. When you pull me close, I'll probably <laughs> resist at first and then finally give in because I realized I was a dummy. And like the more I, the more we sing it, we sing it like three or four times. Like by the fourth or fifth one, I think I finally meant it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think w when it comes to, it was a good reminder for me to keep praying these things until they're actually real in my life. That's beautiful, my friend. You're beautiful. Okay. So here's here's the big finish. Here's what I realized. Most of the time when I have these dry spells, that is my fault. And then whenever I come back, usually it's because I tried to claw my way back, right? This time was different. I mentioned, um, I realized this after mass. It's like, why did, like, why has my prayer life been better recently? Because I didn't really change much, right? I did a few little things to help me and remind me, but I didn't really change all that much. 
And then I realized it. I, in the midst of all these people asking me to pray for them, I started asking other people to pray for me. And I yeah. like I mentioned in this whole thing, it's like the more I pray and I don't see, like especially with intercession, like the less I think it works. And this is again God proving to me, like a dumb, like the dumb dumb that I am. You had to make it really simple. That like you dummy, it's because people are praying for you. That's why this is getting easier, right? Like, oh, thanks, Jesus. I appreciate it. It was just more proof for me that this prayer thing actually works. It does. I, I honestly believe this. It sounds like I'm joking, but I'm not. I literally believe the only reason I am alive today after just like just wild things that have happened is because of the people that are always praying for me. Yeah, it's my mom. My mom's the only reason I'm I'm still alive and still in church and still you know trying to this whole Jesus thing. You know, it's because it's real, man. my mom prayed for me. Hello, mother. She listens to the podcast. You want to say hi to my mom? I do. Hi. I hope you're doing awesome. You're just a great mom. She is. Uh, I like your mom as well. She's still on Twitter. It's been really funny still talking to her, even though you've been gone. Uh, so- oh, she's so mad at me. She's so <laughs> mad, dude. Literally, like, I called her today, and and she goes, you didn't think about anyone else, did you? You didn't think. Oh, well, how am I supposed to know what's going on? I'm like, mom, call me. She's like, you're busy. I, I cannot believe you're doing this. You're selfish. You're supposed to leave people to Jesus on Twitter. I'm like, mom, in 90 days. <laughs> What's great is the greatest part of all this, and it's how we're ending the show, is you have told me over and over again how much you hate talking on the phone. And that's the only way you have to communicate with your mother now. This is so much fun for me. John, this is where we would usually plug your social media, but you're not on it. So we'll talk again in a month. Love you, buddy. Sounds good. Love you, too. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Did it seem like the show was a minute and a half shorter than usual? Man, you're quite perceptive. It was a minute and a half shorter uh, because there was about a minute and a half clip that we had to stop recording because John was recording. He usually records at home. He was recording at work today and somebody walked into his office. This is what happened. Oh, you're also you're also talking to someone in your office. Hello, person in your no. office. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, hold on. Hold, yeah, no. I'm doing a podcast, Carrie. Love you. I'll call you after. <laughs> Love you, Carrie. Uh, Carrie's great. Uh, okay, so does she li- does, wait? Does you Carrie know? live in Detroit? Wait, I feel like I forgot something. Ba da ba ba ba. Say it.